fat keg, you know I'm back to bed. <laughs> I almost just ended the recording before I started it. Okay. Coming up, the New York football giants do exactly what we said they needed to. Win the effing game against a lowly Houston Texans team. We're going to break down what worked well for them, how this team is progressing heading into the second half of the season, and also take a look at that NFC playoff picture, which is starting to crystallize potentially in Big Blue's favor. Ah, yes, friends, it's OGP, the one giant podcast where, of course, we are your host over here, Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the Brooklyn Nets and the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy, Doug Norrie. And yonder there is the season generational ticket holder, the healthy, wealthy, and wise Mr. Andrew Mankiewicz. He'll get himself off mute any second now, folks. I look like, <laughs> listen, Monday I don't have my normal, I, Adam, I don't have my normal setup. I'm um, um, I'm away for work. Obviously, with the white wall behind me, it looks like I could be holding up a ransom note right now. But the important <laughs> are you thing in is, a safe space? No, blink twice if you're safe. Blink twice <laughs> if you're safe. Um, th- the good news is I was able to watch the entirety of the Giants game, and oh, it's just so nice when your team handles business and does what they need to do. Yeah, listen, it was a really good overall. It ends up being a really good game for the New York Football Giants. Let's keep it at the highest possible level. We said. The only thing you can't afford to do over these first two weeks coming out of the bye is lose, right? You're playing the Houston Texans. You're playing the Detroit Lions. So just at the very highest of all levels, the Giants did what they were supposed to do, beating a bad team. And I talked about it coming in. We gave our predictions. We were darn close. 24-13, we said, off by just that field goal. We should have known one possession games. That's all the Giants can play in. Um, but I but I had a level of respect for the fact that the Houston Texans have been able to hang in games against good teams. But also, you kind of are what your record says, and you're a one-win football team, right? So you, you, if you're the Giants, and you're coming into this one 6-2, and two, coming off the bye, you can't lose to a one-win team at this point in the season. Like, you just, it simply cannot happen. And if it were to happen, then all of a sudden, I think things would felt really different here on a Monday in spite of an overall good season. So high level, just great that they got the win, and obviously we can drill down on some of the things that worked really well for them as well. Yeah, I mean... B- Simply put, the difference between the Giants and the Texans are in the stats. Turnovers, two, by the Houston Texans, both in the red zone at critical moments. Giants, none. Third down percentage, the Giants uh, ended up being 50%. The Houston Texans were 30%. It's like every, every single thing that you look at, every key stat or metric, you sit there and you're like, oh, the Giants ended up doing exactly what they need to do. The Giants were in the red zone twice, went two for two. And the Houston Texans were in the red zone six times and only scored once. So, like, yeah. those are the simple, you know, at, at a macro level, the ways that the Giants win. Don't make mistakes, convert in key opportunities, and walk yourself out of there with a win. Yeah, and listen, there's no real two ways about it. Have to talk about Saquon Barkley in this one. 35, 35, 35, not three games worth of stats, one game 
35 carries, 152 yards, a long of 27, and I almost want to say of just 27, because while he had a couple of those bigger chunk plays, this was mostly another one of those games where offensively, you had to rely on Saquon, and as this season has gone on, they've leaned into that you know, heavily and more heavily at times, and I think the Giants just flat out understand where their, where their bread is buttered this season, right? You need to control the game clock. You need to mitigate opportunities. I want to get to that defensive side and those offensive possessions in the red zone for Houston, but I, man, I don't know how you can look at it. He's on pace to out, out, uh, out rush and out gain yards from scrimmage from his rookie season. I mean, this is what this team is. They are Saquon Barkley led offense and there's nothing wrong with that. And they showed you on Sunday, how you can grind your way to another win. Yeah. They, they ended up having a bunch of Nick gate jumbo packages where they put him in a tight end. Obviously they, at one point they had eight linemen in the game. They did exactly. They, they did by, exactly by the way, can I can I tell you how would you have felt a season ago if you saw Joe Judge running out eight man offensive lines? Like you would have been like, Jesus God, what is this going to be? And by the way, he wouldn't have just run the ball down someone's throat. That's when they would have gone for the trick play and tried to find the tight end like leaking out. So just it's funny how the contrast makes you have such confidence in the idea of jumbo, like double jumbo set. You know what, Brian? I'm with you. Well, it, it, well it, it is funny when you think <laughs> about that, that contrast, just because the Giants knew that the Houston Texans were giving up 5.5 yards per rush. And they said, we are going to make sure that we exploit their weakness as much as humanly possible. And that's why Saquon got, I believe, the most carries in his career in, in one game in the NFL. Yeah. Listen, a couple key things. Obviously, the offense ran through Saquon. Daniel Jones if he plays the efficient way that he is playing, this giant offense continues to look better and better. He had a 153 passer rating, number one in the NFL this year, four passer ratings, which is unthinkable. And he had a QBR of 83 and is now eighth in the league in QBR. He played efficiently well. And if any giant fan looks at the stat line and says, well, he didn't throw for, he threw for 197 yards. He didn't throw for 200 yards, you know, it starts to get into a numbers game where people would rather him throw the ball 50 times and have 375 yards and the Giants lose. It's like they well, know what they're doing well and they're executing on it. Yeah, let's let's be clear. He has the 53-yard list and we talked about explosive plays and this goes back to what I've talked about. I understand you want to have better receivers. You want to have better players. I mean, flat out, right? We want to have better players at every possible position. And also, you are still talking about NFL-level receivers. We can maybe touch on Kenny Galladay if we feel compelled to. <laughs> but by and large, a little three-yard pass across the field to Darius Slayton. And, you know, it's funny. I was, on the broadcast, they were talking about, I'll forget the corner that came sweeping down and missed the tackle. But it was leading up to the game. He said, got to break down in my stance. Got to wrap up those tackles. Got to mitigate the big explosive plays. He comes flying in like a bullet train. Darius Slayton just kind of holds his ground. He blasts past him. And then Darius really does a heck of a job. Gets a block downfield. 53-yard touchdown. I say all of this to say, we, we, we made this statement weeks ago about we're done having the debate on Daniel Jones, right? And that's to your point. The Giants are winning football games. So you can we, we can stop the, the conversation on what is Daniel Jones or what is he not. Right now in this season, all that matters is the team is winning football games. He threw 17 passes. He had one big chunk play. Listen, he's efficient, right? He's not making the mistakes. The QBR can help illustrate that when we talk about, okay, are you being asked to do what some of the high-level best quote-unquote you know, quarterbacks that we've seen in the league over the last handful of years? No, but... As we've also mentioned, this has been a fluky year. 
where a lot of teams are struggling and they're struggling while trying to have their experienced established quarterbacks do a lot. And I think for the most part, what we're seeing is that teams are not as good as they maybe thought they were coming into the year, not as stable. The cream of the crop, the Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs of the world, the Josh Allens and the Buffalo Bills in spite of losing a couple of games, right? Even, dare we say, the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Like, these are teams that know what they are and know what they can go and do. Everybody else, is, I think, is trying to figure it out. And the Giants kind of got, I'm going to say, lucky in the sense that they came into the season looking to be conservative passing and feature Saquon Barkley. And it's just paid dividends week after week, by and large. You're, you're totally right. The Giants know exactly what they need to do to win football games, and they're doing that. And that's why when we talk about the debate about Daniel Jones, it's very simple. Uh, I say this to you all the time, almost almost at nauseum. He is a force positive on this team right okay, now. No, okay, hold really on. Stop, 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 stop. We just said we're not doing the debate thing. He had they had a good game. They won the game. Don't try to throw don't throw in the caveat, man. But, we'll but have Adam, the Daniel Jones discussion at the end of the year. You but, don't have to convince Adam, anybody. They're Adam, winning football games. You don't have to convince he, anybody. When he has a bad game, we say Daniel Jones has a bad game. We say this is why all yeah. these other players oh, are. Oh, doing oh, okay, fine. By the way, if he we had the best pass rating, he had the best pass rating in no, the Okay, league fine. See, this is where we're gonna get in the weeds just for a second here. Because if you want to do that, like you said, when he has a bad game, we're gonna say he had a bad game. Now Again, a lot of fans, and sometimes you included when we're on the show, and I get it, you'll push back on when he has a bad game. Well, because of X or because of Y. So likewise, did he have a good game? Yes. Did they ask him to do almost nothing? Yes. Like, if you want to do that, then that, then like then we can do that. And I, again, I like that he did what they asked him to do incredibly efficiently. Like, that's all that I want him to do. But I'm not going. what we're not going to do is sit here and draw this comparative line between what Daniel Jones is and what Patrick Mahomes is, you know, eighth QBR in the league. Okay, fine. You want to take Daniel Jones over Patrick Mahomes? Be my guest, right? Like that's all, that's what I'm saying. He's having great games. The team is winning. That's what matters most here. So I, I don't, there's no need. We don't need to over elevate or over downgrade what Daniel Jones is doing. He's serving yeah. his role and he's doing it efficiently. I don't think anyone in their right mind, I don't even think Daniel Jones's family would take Daniel Jones over Patrick Mahomes. I we've think, adopted, I think we've, Daniel, we've made a hard decision. <laughs> Daniel, I'm sorry. We're, we're moving to Kansas City, right? Like, but but I think it, it is uh, the one thing I just like to say is we, we, you know, people knock quarterbacks, and this is not just about Daniel Jones, about being a game manager or not necessarily oh, this is Kirk Cousins, man. This is what this is what you know, and now yeah. we're sitting here watching that. Yeah. Teams are winning football games and and Basically, the coaching staff said the best way to attack the Texans is on the ground. Let's ride Saquon Barkley, sprinkle in a little bit of Daniel Jones throwing and running the ball and hope that our defense holds up. And that's that's been the key oh, to success all, all year. All and it's just yeah, all season exactly. long. Exactly. And that's fine. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. We're staying positive here on Monday. I don't know. We're we're, we're and by the way, we talk about how we don't want to have this debate and et cetera. But, you know, as all Giants fans know, it's right underneath the surface. You're ready to get into it if the opportunity should arise. And Andy and I have had this debate off the podcast a lot. We've had it on the podcast a lot coming into the season. That being the case, though, they do get the win. And the other side of the football is to me as much the reason why they won this game as anything. You mentioned it. Six possessions in the red zone for the Houston Texans. Just two scores. They only put up 13, uh, 16 points in this game, excuse me. A late field goal that makes it a one-possession game. But ultimately, if you want to, like, what's the hierarchy of what's having them win games? It's what Saquon's able to do with or without successful passing games on a week-to-week -week basis. It's about Daniel Jones being effective, sure. 
but it's about this defense, man. It's about what this defense is doing and how they've been forcing turnovers. That is now what three straight games for them where they have multiple turnovers on the defensive side of the football. It's phenomenal to see the evolution of this team and knowing we came into this one losing Xavier McKinney. Guess who stepped up? Dane Train, Dane Belton. I mean, Adam, it starts the the conversation starts with Dexter Lawrence right out of the to. gate. He was an absolute beast out there he is the reason why half of the turnovers happened you know in, in the game the the pressure that he kept consistently getting on davis mills was the reason why dane Belton had the ability to, to to intercept the ball in the end zone he had five qb hits he had a sack he felt it felt like he was in the backfield on every single drop back play and if it wasn't him it was oh leonard williams getting his pressure that he always gets the two of them being able to get pressure without having to bring a lot more bodies blitzing is everything to this Giants defense. And it allows them to dictate exactly what defense they want to run as opposed to saying, well, we have to bring more guys because we're just not getting home with three or four. Yeah, you saw them take out Dexter Lawrence, try to give him a breather for a series. Pierce gouge, 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 right? Big chunk plays. And they were like, Dexter, right back into the middle of that game. And by the <laughs> way, <laughs> yeah, and you, you know, yeah, you good? You feel good? Got the oxygen? You feel good? Yeah, why don't you get back out on the field? Thanks so much. And, and and it's funny, too, because we talked about the negotiations over the bye week, whatever, and we know we have that fifth-year option picked up on Dexter. But again, like, I, whenever you're going to do it, man, this guy deserves to get paid. He's going to get paid. And, and yesterday was such an example of how valuable he is. Even to your point, Leonard Williams, very effective. And we talked about this all throughout his career as a giant and even when he was first brought over from the Jets. Listen, everybody loves the sexy stats of getting sacks, but there's more to what a player accomplishes, especially on the defensive front than just that. And you saw that yesterday, just controlling the line of scrimmage for the most part, being able to get in the backfield and get pressure. And honestly, man, the difference in this game was the defense, the ability for defensive pressure from the Giants against Davis Mills and the Houston Texans. And you can flip it the other way and say the Giants mitigated that offensively by saying, you know what you can't do? Can't put, put pressure on our quarterback if we're handing the ball off, right? Like, you know, when you exactly. go two to one run to pass, that's going to mitigate that. And in a lot of ways, man, unlike other games this season where we said, God, well, the other team really played into the Giants' hands, didn't they? Like, the – the, the Houston Texans were never going to win this one solely on the back of Pierce. They were going to need to throw the ball. So it was a matter of when, not if you let Davis Mills try to take some shots. But boy, man, I, you know, I feel bad for Davis Mills in the same way. I think we look at what do the Giants have or not have for Daniel Jones. All right, listen, I know he's got cooks, but let's be realistic, man. There is not a lot to do there. If you're David, if you're Davis Mills on that offensive side of the ball, uh, name another receiver that you remotely were concerned about at any point in this game. And that played into the giants, the secondary playing fast, getting after the football, obviously, but um, heck of a performance from the defense. And then we got to give that tip of the hat to Xavier, uh, uh, excuse me, Ocean Eximenez who came sweeping in and got that strip on Davis Mills as well. We said, Oh, looks like he's going to be healthy. We know we still don't have Aziz Ojolari the big step up from some of these role players this year has been phenomenal. You, you, you talk about those role players. Jason Pinnock is another one that Pinnock. out of nowhere, he comes in, he has, he has one and a half sacks. He has a tackle for loss. He looks like he hasn't missed a beat at all. You know, out, you know, outside of, of just coming in a few weeks ago, did he come over from, did he have ties to wink? Uh, I don't know. No, if he, he was did. from the jets. He came over from the jets. That's yeah. right. Okay. Go ahead. Cause I, you know, cause in some ways, just to iterate your point, illustrate your point, he looks so crisp on those couple of key moments that you thought 
you know, it would have been like the Jefferson piece, right? When he came over from Baltimore, you go, you just know the system so well that you can pop on the field for one clean play. I mean, those were phenomenal moments for him in that game. And and shout out to another guy, Henry Mondo, another name just off the street. Practice squad guys were super thin at defensive line. They were just coming pick in them up. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's pick them up, right? Like it's unbelievable yeah. what the coaching staff is doing with players that are being elevated from practice squads that haven't been on a roster in, in a season. It, like to me, it's just incredible that they're they're finding ways to take guys and say we're all, we're going to put you in a position to be successful and only that. Look at you know we're talking about the defensive side of the ball, but look at Isaiah Hodgins, right? Like he he comes yep. he comes in out of nowhere, all of a sudden makes a couple of key catches for for the Giants. He hadn't played at all. It's like it's unbelievable how prepared these coaches have them on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Yeah, let's close out this game conversation because then we want to take a look at the playoff picture and what happened on Sunday and actually how important it was for the Giants beyond just getting their win. But there's two quick things. One. Um, you know why the, the Houston Texans are one and seven or one, seven and one, but still really competitive game to game to your point, coaching lovey Smith, a very experienced NFL coach, right? And if you think that this team by the end of the year, they could be a two win team and he could be fired. But I tell you what, like they're, they're, they're maximizing that one win. <laughs> that's value. They are maximizing what they're getting this year. And I think it's why you see them staying in it. And it just, again, the giants have been incredibly well coached all year. You look around the league, teams that have struggled. You wonder about adjustments. You wonder about coaching. You haven't had to have that question for the Giants. On Hodgins, though, it's a great comparison, right? We talked about it coming in. Um, by the way, just as a quick side note on the podcast, we had just a, a, a tech disaster over the last, I'd say, week plus. So you probably didn't get to hear a lot of the episodes on the on the feed. Maybe you didn't see every single one on the YouTube side of it, but we've hopefully cleared that up. But you and I talked about Kenny Galladay coming back. Listen, we don't need to set the world on fire. Catch three balls for 42 yards, maybe a first down or two. Now, just not not because I'm knocking Daniel Jones, but because I, I, I'm not going to try to bash Kenny Galladay. First pass that he misses is thrown out in front of him, right? Doesn't put it on him. Could have been an opportunity. Tips off his fingers. Again, could have dove for it? Maybe. It's not a great throw. Second pass, however was, as I text you, inside of his guts. He would have had to go to the restroom to get that ball out of him. You would have thought. And yet he dropped it, and it just, listen, man, whether he's cooked, whether the pressure now of having been away and not played, and now you get out there and finally an opportunity, and you drop it, that in contrast to Hodgins, who had time in Buffalo, so knows the system, walks in and says, you want to drop a couple balls my way? I'll catch them. I'll move the chains for us. Thank you so much. Don't need to overstate it, right? Like it was just a really bad contrast from a Kenny Galladay standpoint and what we think he could contribute over the back half of this season. It, it was brutal, Adam. He was he played the majority of the snaps to start the game after that second drop or the second pass that was thrown mm -hmm. his way. Um, he didn't see the field again. They were like they were they 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 sent him out into orbit and he did not come back. And and it's it's a very difficult situation. You and I were talking about this offline. There has to be a resolution between the Giants and, and Kenny in some capacity where, look, the Giants don't want to play him, and he's going to now be buried on the depth chart. Like, unless he comes out and has a, a bunch of amazing practices, says all the right things, is like, put, give me another opportunity, it kind of feels like it's going in the other direction. And if it is, he's a high-profile wide receiver making $18 million, right? Like, if the Giants are telling him you're going to be on special teams and special teams only, like, Kenny might just kind of sit there and be like, 
I want my money, but I don't want to do that. Is there maybe a mutual way where we get my hip re-examined and I can collect my money and you can put me on injured reserve and we can all just like kind of move on from this situation? Because the Giants can't outright cut him because they lose money against the cap space. Kenny's not going to want to say, take my money. I, w- I want my money. So, I, Adam, there's going to have to be a resolution to the Kenny Galladay situation because I just don't see it being tenable, especially if the Giants lose a game or two and Kenny starts clamoring about wanting to get back in. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, again, I just I, you know, resolution. He's making the money he's making. I, I get what you're saying from a perception standpoint, but come on. If they come out today and they say Kenny Galladay tweaked his hamstring, that's why he didn't go back in the game. Everyone's going to call BS and we all know it. So it doesn't matter. Like basically what you're going to send out is the message. If you're Kenny Galladay, what you're saying is let's go in you know, with my agent, let's go and let's talk to the Giants. Listen, it's not working out. So why don't you go ahead and say, I have an injury and I'll just sit down the rest of the season, collect my money. You think anybody is going to go touch him next year in the off season? No one may touch him as it is. He may end up retiring, honestly. Like, you know, there's a world where that's the way that this thing ultimately ends. I know that you want the roster spot out of this, but again, it's just the reality. And I, and I contrast it in the way of saying Hodgins showed up and we liked that. Marcus Johnson has shown up and we liked that. David Sills showed up and we liked that. Richie James showed up and we liked that. Also, every one of those guys has stopped showing up at different points. Now you have right. Darius Slayton, you know, I mean, that that's the reality too here. Darius Slayton has been your most consistent wide receiver now over the last several weeks. That matters. Wandell Robinson, man, they're trying to find ways I did not like the one, the spot that they put him in there, putting him in the backfield and then giving him that sweep handoff. I thought that that was a, I get what they want to do there thought it was a disastrous way to try to give him an opportunity. So they seem to be struggling to figure out ways to get Wandell more involved in this offense. But then after that, that's it, man. It's a hodgepodge. And right now, again, take away the name, take away the the, the salary cap hit. Kenny Galladay is a healthy body in the room. So unless you're going to outright release him and just take that hit, that that I can that I'll understand that I and that could be a possibility. I just I find it really hard that it's going to be that Kenny's going to say, "Why don't you just say that I'm injured?" Because right now, what Kenny still wants to do, even after yesterday, is he wants to get right back out there and try to catch a few balls to show some team I am worth having on your roster next year. That's that's the clash here, and why I don't think there is a resolution because Kenny wants to prove something that he may not be physically capable of proving anymore, but he wants to prove it. And, and I'll just say last thing. I'm still not sold on the fact that he can't catch a couple balls for you and make impact plays in a game. I, I'm not. He hadn't played in weeks. You know, I, I'm okay with there being rust. I'm okay with him being cooked. Just, you know, what does one touchdown pass look like if he if, if he gets it? Right. Things, things can change in an instant. Another wide receiver can get hurt, and we may need to rely on Kenny Galladay again. So the book is not completely closed, but it feels like things will have to change in order for him to see significant steps on, on the back half of the season. But Adam, I think what we wanted to do was, was just zoom out for a second outside of this game. The giants get the victory. The giants are now seven and two and the Dallas Cowboys losing to the green Bay Packers was a huge check Mark for the giants in their playoff aspirations, as well as some of the different seating that the giants may, may face. Adam, it had to feel good. Not only knowing that people were bashing the giants win against the Packers saying the Packers stink, but also that they end up handing a loss to the Cowboys, which helps the Giants, you know, in, in terms of what seeding they could have for the wild card. 
Yeah, I don't need to sit here and say, see, Andy, this is why you don't, you know, you don't throw dirt on the grave of Aaron Rodgers before you give him a chance to maybe connect with Christian Watson. Wink, wink. God, I kind of talked about around the draft, if you might recall. Three touchdowns for that kid. Picked him up in fantasy. Didn't start him, but just so you know, I did pick him up in fantasy. Um, no, but listen, the bottom line is, as we always say, like the schedule is the schedule, the wins are the wins. Um, getting that win on Sunday, obviously, combined with the Dallas loss. So automatically, puts the Giants up over ahead of Dallas in the division. That's really significant because they have one more meeting with them, and we know they lost the first one, so circle that date on your calendar. But then even beyond that, because the Giants got that win, they are now in the driver's seat combined with the Dallas loss for the fifth seat. They're now in the first wild card spot, and it changes, as you're going to illustrate here in a second, who they potentially, in this moment, would be going on the road to play. Looks like that's going to be their path here, going on the road, although... Although I will also just throw this out here. Monday night football is going to be the commanders and the Eagles. Don't anticipate the Eagles losing that game. Whatever we think about this season, Andy, the giants are right now also in the driver's seat to play the Eagles twice over the back end of this season and make some statements. Let's just start at the, at the easiest level here, getting ahead of Dallas, something we weren't really sure they'd be able to accomplish just with how good Dallas has played that buys you a little bit of a little bit of wiggle room here and a little bit of a target of hey we can go after the first wild card spot rather than thinking hey how do we play to make sure we we hold on to the 7th seed yeah the giants have the lions next week adam obviously they they're already an eight and a half point favorite on the early line so people are expecting the giants to handle business like they did against houston that would set up that thanksgiving matchup against the cowboys if the giants can take care of the lions that dallas matchup is enormous because then we would have the season split with Dallas and we'd be at least a game, if not two games up on Dallas at that point. And how about the fact that Dallas plays Minnesota in Minnesota this, this upcoming week. Ooh. So if you talk about a real opportunity, right? What if I'll tell you right now, and then we want, we intentionally wanted to do a little forward looking here. What if Dallas loses against Minnesota and you walk in the door with an opportunity to put another game of space between you and tie the season series. If you, the next, these next two weeks, if they can play out that way, even just the Giants beating Detroit and Dallas potentially losing to Minnesota, all of a sudden you set up where you could actually cement the fifth seed by beating Dallas there in that game. Be really hard for Dallas to make up what would be multiple with their game back now. They'd be three back at that point if you were to get that win. So, and even if they beat, by the way, even if they beat Minnesota, right? It still yes. sets up for a very exciting matchup there on Thanksgiving. And by the way, people have heard me complain about this before. The, the Thanksgiving Day games are always such a trash bag of, of matchups. How about this? It doesn't matter what happens next week. That's going to be one hell of a game. It's going to be the marquee game. But Adam, the, when we talk about the playoff seeding, the, there's obviously seven teams from the NFC, seven teams from the AFC get in. If the, right. the Giants, even if they have a really good record, they would have to get the wild card if the Eagles continue to win out because, you, yep. you know, uh, you have to win your division in order to have one of those high seeds. But the way things are playing out, Adam, if the Giants end up getting the five seed, it looks like they would probably be playing either the Vikings, Seahawks, or Bucks. Mm -hmm. Now, if we just saw what happened against Seattle, feels like we were kind of in the game. Like if we played them in a playoff game, it's not like you would have all this doom and gloom about like losing. Tampa Bay looks like they're still trying to figure things out. And Minnesota is like the cardiac kids winning everything by one possession. Both the offensive and defensive metrics have them around 12th in the league, and they just inexplicably keep winning games. That's not that's not murderer's row for the Giants when you're thinking about being able to steal a game on the road, right? No, no. And listen, if we're talking about it, just let's be plain, man. 
never would have caught me saying, you know, the Bucks might be the, the first team I would want to play out of that group. Now, a lot can change by the end of the year and how you perceive them. Obviously, we lose to Seattle. Seattle loses to Tampa. So that's the hierarchy, right? That's the way that that works. Um, it's just interesting, though. When I think about the defense, and Geno Smith isn't terribly mobile, neither is Kirk Cousins. But when I think about what this defense is doing, boy, and it, Bucks offensive line is trying to figure it out on the fly. They don't. They haven't been as dynamic as they've been offensively the last couple of years. I like that matchup in a lot of ways. The Minnesota Vikings, cardiac kids or not, I do not like playing Jefferson and playing Cooks. Right, like I do not want to go up against a team that arguably has two of the top ten at worst offensive talents in the league. Like those are matchups that I think can start to expose the Giants. Whereas by and large. We've kind of had all these games where teams haven't had multiple high-level wide receivers plus a quality running back, right? Like, that's the difference. All the way through this Texans game now, go back and look at the teams we've played. None of them have had a full complement of offensive weapons. And by the way, the games that we've lost, Seattle, two quality wide receivers plus a quality running back, Dallas, quality wide receivers, and whatever you think about Zeke at this point, but still quality running back room in totality with Pollard there as well, right? So that's a lot of the ways, and we'll talk about that, I think, a little bit as these weeks move along here. When we look at these matchups for the Giants, there is a reality check, I think, about how difficult the, the backstretch is going to be based on what these teams put out there on the field. All of them over these next five games with all those divisional matchups have a lot of offensive talent that are really going to test this Giants defense. But uh, listen, again, at the... Oh, I'll do it. Why not? At the end it. of the day, Andy, the Giants get this win. We said they absolutely had to. They did. Now they absolutely have to beat Detroit. And then we go from there. And at some point, and we, we talk about this all the time, I am going to lean into the record, right? Because we're too far. By the way, people have said, long-winded end of the day, people have said, oh, you know, eh, there's still a long way to go in the season. And you say that in week five and then week six. And then week seven, and then we're, we're through the buys. Like, you know, what, what, what are we talking about here? The Giants are seven and two. They're one of the better teams in the league. Like, live with it. You can, you don't think that Daniel Jones throws the ball enough? Good for you. You don't think that it's sustainable in the playoffs? Great. What do I give an S about it? None at all, because the Giants are seven and two, and they're in the fifth seed. They're securing a wild card spot. They still technically have a shot at the division with the Eagles, right? Like, this is what it is, man. I can't help it if your team sucks. Like, you know, don't take it out on the Giants because you feel like your quarterback is better or your wide receivers are better or your defense is better. If you think they are, then maybe your team should play better. It's simple. The Giants have two losses against two teams that currently would be in the playoffs. They have two wins against two teams that would currently be in the playoffs. They have beaten teams that That's are in the margin. playoffs. They've also lost the teams in the playoffs. That's what you want to do. You want to handle business against teams like the Texans and hopefully upcoming against the Lions, and that will crystallize exactly where the Giants are. They are a good team that can take care of business and maybe make some noise in the playoffs. You better believe it, my friends. As you know, as we say, you get over on YouTube, you subscribe to the channel where we're doing these things five days a week. We appreciate all the support when we do our lives. We appreciate everyone getting on the chat as well. We'll continue to roll with those. Uh, on the other side of things, you get over the podcast feed where we get those needs fulfilled. It's free and you do us a big free favor. You rate and review it. It moves the needle for us. It costs you nothing. It means the world to Andy. It means the world to me too, but it really means something to Andy. He really likes it when you give a glowing review. Otherwise, he withers and he potentially dies. We'll be back in, of course, talking all things New York football giants. And as, 
as, and as. Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.